Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. You want to know how God thinks? This passage is about to tell us. He remembers His covenant forever, meaning God is covenant-minded. It says one place in the Scripture that God upholds His Word above His name. Meaning if there was a chance, though it's not possible because God already told me that he loves me and the Bible already declares that he loves you. God so loved the world. But if it were possible that God did not like me and God just couldn't stand me, by virtue of the fact that that blood was shed and he has a covenant with his son, that whosoever comes to him, he will in no wise cast out. Even if he didn't like me, God is saying, I'd receive you. So all this thing that God doesn't love you is irrelevant. Even though it's a lie, it's irrelevant. God upholds his word above his name. We have a covenant with the most high God through Jesus. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded. What do we understand here? That God's covenant is his word. Every word he speaks is a covenant to God, meaning he always has it on his mind. I don't care if you were three years old, if God spoke to you, he hasn't forgotten Everything he spoke to you, you might have been born again one day or it could have been six days before you were born again because God spoke to Saul even before he got saved. Just Saul had sense enough to get saved. Knocked him off the horse and he gave his life to Jesus. But the short of it is, every word God has ever spoken, is not, not, not just kind of in, uh, let me, uh, no, it's in the fore, he remembers, it's in the front of his mind. In fact, he looks at you with that word on his mind. He remembers his covenant forever the word he commanded for a thousand generations. Modern or postmodern folks say that a generation is 25 years. I don't know. It's 25 or or, or 40 years. You know, uh, said in the Bible it was 40 years, but whatever, 25 years. But he says that he remembers word for a thousand generations. Well, 25 years is a generation to us. That's 25,000 years. What is the scripture teaching here? He's saying that God will not forget his word to you forever plus 25,000 years. So if you can imagine forever, then add 25,000 years on top of forever. You come close to getting a sense of God's capacity. You get a sense of God's unwillingness to forget. Psalms 1830, NIV 2011. As for God... Not for you and I, but for God. His way is perfect. What's he talking about right now? His way, right? Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Why did Jesus say that? He was reflecting on passages like this. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The same in the beginning was was with God. He's talking about his way, but without changing the subject, he says the, the Lord's word is flawless. Because God's word is his way. How did God create the earth? You don't have to say, I don't know. His word. The way God does everything he does is through releasing his word. Humanity had a sin problem. So what did God say? My word has taken on flesh. And his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And he walked amongst us, died on the cross. But it wasn't just some guy named Jesus. It was the word of God that came into the earth and solved our problems. God's word is always his way. But if your way is just the way of the spirit, apart from the word, you're in trouble. Because the devil is a spirit too. He's a fallen spirit. 
And if it's just what you feel, you're in trouble. But when you're, you're, you're feeling and, and knowing and understanding is based on the word, it will keep you safe and from harm. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 11, we're going to see this again. The Holy Spirit is speaking through the prophet. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. He's being poetic, and thoughts and ways are all the same thing here. He said, the way I think and the way I do things not the way you do things. So if your ways are not changing, I don't know if you really know the Lord. Because his ways aren't our ways. So when you, when, you, when you meet him, your ways ought to change. Then he goes on. He says, let me, let, me, let me talk to you about my ways a little bit. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. He's still talking about ways, right? Higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then he goes on and he does something actually that science didn't understand at this particular point. And this helps us understand that scripture is inspired. You know, many of us, you know, if I was a kid and I didn't know any better, I would think that, you know, Rain traveled, you know, past the sun stars and, uh, and the moon and, and somehow landed on earth. But we find here that the writer here understands that rain doesn't travel through space. Rain actually comes from the earth. Well, let's look. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood and flourish. What is it saying? Rain returns to heaven. They understood something. The Holy Spirit understood something before science did. The only reason we have rain is because there's evaporation. And if enough evaporation gets up into the heavens, clouds start forming and get full. And what does it do? It comes back to the earth. God has not invested new water since the planet began. It just recycles. You hear me? It comes down, goes back up, comes down, goes back up. And God is saying, this is my way. This is my cycle. I'm going to use something that that's natural to explain something that's supernatural. He says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, rains don't just stop midway in heaven and, and I mean, with, you know, like a, a 10 feet from the ground, then go sideways and then return. No, no. They fall to the earth. They move to their intended purpose. They don't, they don't return without watering the earth and making it bud and, and flourish. And the purpose of his word is budding and flourishing. God sent his word and healed them all so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. He's talking about ways, right? And then what does he say in verse 11? So is my word. How does God make prosper the earth? He was talking about rain. He was talking about his ways through his word. How does God prosper our lives through his word? So is my word that goes forth out of my mouth. As the rain comes to do a work, so has God's word been released from heaven to do a work. So what I need to do is hear from heaven. And when that word comes from heaven and is genuinely from heaven, I will bud and flourish. But the word has to be released from heaven. It says, it will not return to me empty. It will accomplish its work before it goes back up. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I what? The word of God has power in itself to bring to pass everything it wants to bring to pass. It has absolute authority. Back to Psalms 18 and 30. As for God, his way, or you could even say his word is perfect. But then it goes on to say, the Lord's word or way is flawless, meaning God's word is his perfect will. God does not say one thing and mean something else. He's not like some folk. He shields all who take refuge in his word, in his way. 
When you realize that God's word is inerrant, infallible, that it has no mistakes, it can become a shield to you. But you have to get this revelation in order for it to happen. Like I said, Jesus died for everyone who's ever lived. But only those who receive it by faith actually experience the best and the good of it. Ephesians 6 and 16, some may say, well, Bishop, you've been in the, the Old Testament and that's good, but I, I really can't really be certain until we get to the new. In Ephesians 6 and 16, he says, matter of fact, before we go there, let's go to 1 Peter 1 and 5, then we'll go to Ephesians. The Bible says elsewhere that God's favor surrounds us like a shield. How does favor or God's grace surround us like a shield? Because the Bible says that we access this grace through faith, meaning the door into God's grace is faith. Legal access to all that God's provided, not because you deserved it, not because you were good, but because he first loved you, is based on faith. So when you begin to believe that God is gracious, not just think it, but begin to believe that God is gracious, you begin to access a shield. Power begins to surround you. He says here, who through faith, Peter is speaking, we are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Faith in God's word is my shield until Jesus comes. Who in their right mind in the ancient world, when people shot arrows, and, and arrows were the, the, the most feared thing in, in all the arsenal because someone could shoot you from afar and you couldn't hit him with your sword. At least a, a sword, you know, you could get the person on the other end. A spear, you still had to kind of get uh, kind of close to, to hit a person with it. But, but an arrow, man, you could be on top of a wall and shooting and then hide, shooting and then hide, and there's no way to stop a hundred of these fiery arrows that are coming in your direction, save you have a shield. Who in the ancient world, in their right mind, would walk into a battlefield? Say, you know what, God loves me. Uh, I'm just going to walk across this field, and uh, uh, you are presumptuous. We live in the last days. The Bible said we live in a mix of a wicked and perverse generation. We are living in a battlefield probably like no other in history. And what many of us are doing, we're presuming upon God's love. We're walking into a battle without a shield. You're saying, God, I just got hit. How did that happen? I thought you loved me. By faith, we are shielded by God's power. Ephesians 6 and 16. Paul was saying, listen, talking about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, you need revelation about righteousness, you need revelation about salvation, you need revelation about the truth of, uh, of God's word, you need to... Uh, your feet shot in the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to walk where God's peace leads you. And, and he's saying, listen, on, on top of all this, I mean, please understand those truths. But do not understand those truths and forget this one. He says, in addition to all this, now get the revelation of righteousness. I mean, that, that's powerful. I think that's the foremost revelation we all need. But don't forget to take up the shield of what? Faith. What shields us in life? Faith. Faith is the, the, the shield or, or faith. How do I say? Okay. Many of us, this is our approach to the subject of faith. I believe, God, that when I die, I'm going to heaven. You need to do that. Jesus died for you. You've been born again. You're going to heaven. But that means you just have a shield up in that little part of your life. So you got this little tiny shield about this big right up here. But there are people standing on a wall, 
Not just shooting arrows, but fiery arrows. And by the way, you wonder why you're tired, because you're like this all day trying to get all these arrows. But when the Bible talks about the shield of faith, he's talking about that big square Roman shield that the soldier would get behind and under, and then shoulder behind and put his shield on top. And the arrows that come would either hit here or hit there. But, but watch what it says. It says, in addition to all this, take up. You got to do it. If you don't take it, you won't have it. You must take up the shield. Thank God you have faith in some areas. But you know what? It doesn't take, you don't have to have a, a big hole in the boat to make it sink. It just takes a few areas to, call, to, to make it impossible for you to keep bailing out the ship. And again, that's also why many of us are tired. Because we, we are, we're full of holes and, and our doctrine's all screwy and wrong. And, and all we believe is that when I die, log cabin in the sky, there is going to be a mansion. But you're tired because you don't have faith. You're bailing out your boat all day long because you haven't yet believed. I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to show you the way. The way to victory is God's word. So get it out the Bible in your heart. And when it, when, it's, when it gets in your heart and you know it, there's a shield around you. People can, can discern that shield at times. Demons can discern that shield. Now, the devils are crazy. They may take you on anyway. But there's a shield about you. And the Bible says here, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which is the message of God, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now listen, some people take this healing thing way too far. I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die. But the Bible says that death is God's last enemy. And it will not be destroyed until Christ comes. So I don't care how holy I am, I'm going to die at some point. The point is, I don't want to die too early. I have boys to raise and a church to minister to. And I don't want to go home till I'm finished. Watch what scripture says. Take up the shield of faith with which you can. Did it say you can? And who does this? You, not God. God, if you love me, you want to let this arrow hit. hit. What? what? No, no, no. He says, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Did it say some? If you just have some word, you're going to have some shield. But if you start submitting to the full counsel of God and allow a sermon other than your favorite sermon to be preached, your faith can grow and you will not just please get a revelation of salvation and you need to know that when you die, to be absent from the body is going to be present, to be present with the Lord. But listen, in the meantime, we got to live. And we don't live in friendly territory. And because of that, we need the full armor of God that we might stand. It says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming. And there's a whole bunch of flaming stuff going on, a whole bunch of flaming in this world today. But the Bible says we can extinguish. We could, we could put an end to it all. Listen, it didn't say it won't come. It will hit your shield. It may dent your shield. But your shield's supposed to be soaked in the water of the word and be wet. Such that it can extinguish. They would dip the uh, arrow in tar, light it, and then shoot it. God's not saying it won't come. He's just saying, I'll give you the capacity to stop it. But in order for you to do that, you have to know what the word says about that area 
of your, your life. Extinguish all the flaming arrows of the what? Evil one. We have the capability to stop all the fires that the devil would send in our life. But the word of God is the fire stick. The word of God is the fire hole. And until you get full of the word, I don't care what you feel, you're not going to have the results that you'd like. Psalms 119.11. David says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This will go against some of the things perhaps you've learned before. But according to this passage of scripture, there's no one in this room that has a sin problem. Not one person in this room has a sin problem. What you might have is a word problem. If you don't have the word in that area of your life, you're going to sin. The word in your heart will always resolve the sin problem. I learned from someone who does lawns. I was, you know, I moved into a new house. That place was full of weeds. And he said, listen, and I was tired. I kept trying to pull up these weeds. He said, the way you, 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 you limit the amount of weeds that grow in your property is by growing grass. The thicker your lawn and the, the deeper the roots, the, the harder it is for that dandelion. The harder it is for those weeds. If you notice in, in properties where they're bare spots or, or where the grass is thin, that's where the, the weeds grow the, the most and the quickest. And then they start in that area, and then they start to spread to, to the other areas. But the way you, you get rid of the weeds is not by pulling weeds. That's exhausting. If all day long, I just don't, don't let me sin, Lord. I want to stop this sin. Oh, they told me this was sin. And I went to church, I learned about some more sins. And God, there are about 100 sins. And, and oh, God, oh, forgive me, forgive me. I'm, I'm so sorry for my sin. That's not the way to do it. The way you overcome sin is by growing grass. You feed your faith. You feed the answer. You, feed, you, you fill up on the word and it displaces all that other stuff. And then the word gets so big that there's no room for any of that nonsense. That's the true way of deliverance. The Bible says, through the fatness of the neck, the yoke is destroyed. Sometimes God just breaks yokes off us, and I'm grateful for those moments. But other times, say, no, you're going to submit the process. You're going to grow so big, so strong, that thing can't hold you. And I know for me, nine times out of ten, that was the approach. That I just had to grow so big, so strong in that thing, it just couldn't hold me anymore. And all of a sudden, the wood started, and before long, there's a crack. But you have to feed on the word of God and, and keep feeding and feeding on that word until you grow and grow and grow. And then that thing no longer has a hold on you. Romans chapter uh, 10 and verse 17. The question then is, you know, how do I get this faith? Some of that's already been answered, but let's look at it in bold and black letter here. He says, consequently, faith comes. At uh, 9.15 every morning at certain bus stops, the bus comes. But you have to choose whether or not you get on. Every Sunday, 8.30 service, 10.30 service, 12.30 service, then again at 6.30. The word of God is here, but the question is, do you choose to get on? Faith comes from hearing the message. You know, the message you hear on Sunday is not a matter of, you know, I just like this guy better than that guy. The message you hear is vitally important because, you know, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge, we're destroyed for lack of hearing. And what you don't know, you can't believe. So if all I preach every Sunday is get born again, you're going to be good at being born again and getting other people born again, but your life is going to be like hell. I meant that in a biblical way. That was not a... Bible says in James, the tongue set on fire of hell. But your life can be like hell when you go into heaven. If you hadn't heard the message of the full life, 
Faith comes from hearing the message. Now, the term translated message is literally report. Faith comes by hearing the report. So what I'm trying to do here is report to you what the Word of God says. When you read the Bible, when you're home by yourself, you're not reading it because it's a duty. You're trying to see what God's report is. The children of Israel did not enter into the promised land because certain of the spies did not believe God's report. They believed an evil report. So the message or, or, or faith comes by hearing God's report. Jesus' report from Calvary's crosses, it is finished, paid in full. Your debts are canceled. You are free. So when bondage comes, debt comes, sin comes, whose report are you going to believe? What Jesus said or what circumstances are saying? Faith comes from hearing the message. Faith does not happen, or salvation better, doesn't happen apart from God's word. Do you know the term used for healing in the Gospels when the Bible said that that person was healed, that person with their eyes were healed, or their leg was healed, or what have you? It's the term sozo. It's the same word translated salvation. And what the, the, the Bible was saying was that Jesus saved that person. But in that case, he saved them physically. And what I need in my life, I need salvation in my spirit, but I need salvation and I'm not just a spirit. I have a mind. I have emotions. I have a body. I need salvation sozo in every area of my life. But if I've not heard that message, how can I believe it? The message you hear is vital. And do not get in the word like you are a grandchild of God. Like you can only hear God through some intermediary. Get in the word for yourself. And you say, you know what, God, this is your report. I know what they say. I know what my denomination says. I might even know what, what Bishop might have said. But listen, this is what your word says. And when you begin to approach it that way, faith is given substance of things hoped for. Your faith, man, you, you begin to put a case up in God's court. You have a legal claim on the things that God's provided through his kingdom. But in order for that legal claim to be processed, there has to be faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Times I got healed in my life, I have never, nothing wrong with this, I've never been healed through someone laying hands on me. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.